Man, I love the announcements are right where we're at. We're marching towards Easter right now. And as we march towards Easter, we're in the middle of a 40-day, ready for this word, challenge. Yes, if you came here today expecting to be comfortable, be uh, in your seat relaxed and not allowing God to push on you. Bad couple Sundays to do it. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to be a part of this 40-day challenge that we're doing. Here's the first thing, if you do not have this. So in a chair right in front of you, or you can hit up the, the QR code that's behind me. For those in our online campus, they're dropping in a link for you to download a PDF right now. I want to invite you to be a part of a 40-day reading that we have going. And if you're going, well, I just got here, 40 minus 7, okay? You can jump in right now. We're doing something called the SOAP method. What is the SOAP method? That is when we're going to read a scripture... We're going to take an observation on it. As we're observing it, we're going to do a couple things. We may highlight or shade in the attributes of God or frame in key words, underline repeating words, put squiggly words with words that you don't know. If there's a couple things that are kind of, and the Bible says this and this and this, that sounds like a one and a two and a three right next to it, right? One, two, three. Connect transitions words like if, then, therefore, likewise, but, because, or in the same way. This is a way for you to actually physically mark up your Bible after you read your scripture. You're trying to observe what it is that it's saying to you. Then, how are you going to apply it to your life today? What is the thing that the Holy Spirit is saying? And then take some time in prayer. And so we're covering all the different topics that we're covering over the next couple weeks. So last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit as a person. This week, we're going to tell you that the Holy Spirit has a job. Next week, the Holy Spirit is available today. We're not just singing these songs like, Holy Spirit, come if he wasn't available to come. And so the Holy Spirit is available today. He's here to equip you. He actually gives us a special language that we can talk with him. Some people call it the gift of tongues. Most of us call it confusing. I'm going to look at touching this hornet's nest on week five of Holy Spirit 101. And then the final one is the Holy Spirit is one of three baptisms. And I'll go ahead and give you a heads up. On that Sunday, we're having something called a good old-fashioned altar call. Where people can come towards the altar and we're going to lay hands on people for one of three baptisms. So this is what we're doing. This is, I want to encourage you to read along with us. I had a great conversation with someone earlier today and they were talking about how they are loving doing this. And I told them, I said, I've been doing it every single day with you, but truth be told, I have not been enjoying it myself. <gasps> Why are you asking us? Well, hang on, let me finish my thought and I'll tell you. Uh, I'm the one that put all the scriptures together, so I've already read them like three or four times as I've moved them into different places and where they're supposed to go with. And every time I read the scripture, my only problem is I keep going back into what I know I was planning on preaching. So I'm having trouble like reading it with fresh eyes because I've been so tainted on the subject that I've been getting ready for. And this individual said this to me. She said, uh, she goes, yeah, the one scripture hasn't been enough for me, so I'm just reading all the scriptures all around it. And I told her to stop. I said, no, you're only supposed to read one scripture at a time. Like you overzealous righteousness. You know, like, and it dawned on me of, you know, why don't I just try to read more than what I told us to read? And so this next week, I'm going to even be expanding what I'm doing because my goal is, my hope is, my desire is to get out of it what it is that we as a church are going through right now. And so I want to invite you to do the SOAP method. So that is one 40-day challenge that we have that lasts the entire 40 days. Now, there's another one that we have, and that's this. 
Don't miss a single Sunday. And I know you're going to have things come up and you're not going to be able to make it every single Sunday, but I'm talking about the Sunday morning that you wake up and your cup of coffee isn't quite warm enough and your blanket is about 412 pounds and you are just fighting to get out of bed and you're struggling to get that overweight blanket off of you and you say this, I'll just stay at home today. That's you that I'm talking to. <laughs> King James says it like this, Thou it shall get it, thou butteth out of beddeth. Google it yourself. You won't find it. And so, like, I want to encourage you for the next 40 days, challenge yourself to make coming to church consistent. And that will be a part of challenge. Now, this week, oh, gosh. Okay, now this week's challenge. This week's challenge only lasts for the next seven days. But this week's challenge is this. I want you to only listen to Christian music and or a Christian podcast this week. No country. Especially... No, here's the thing. Um, so primarily, I'm not a music listener. I'm a podcast listener. And there's a certain podcast that I go to, and I don't know about you, I listen to them because they talk about nothing, and I can think about nothing. Just, you know, and I know there's some guys, because I've been in enough men's meeting that you get in, and you're used to having, like, sports talk on, driving from one job or another. Or there's, I don't know what your go-to is, but here's what the challenge is for you this week to only listen to Christian music and or podcasts. And is, am I telling you now that this is going to forever change your life? No, this is just a challenge of what happens if for one week, the only thing we try to have our ears to consume are the words of God through our worship, through our entertainment, things like that. And so this is one way. It only lasts for one week. Now, next week, if you want to keep it going, you can. But this is just a seven-day challenge to only listen to Christian music and or podcasts. So now, I'm just going to, I'm getting real close to actually starting the sermon. This is just my opening. I want to remind everybody that over the next couple weeks that you're going to see more teacher David than preacher David. Um, I believe that the conversation that we're having with the Holy Spirit is both going to be a intellectual as well as an internal spiritual. But I want to do my due diligence to teach you the Word of God. As I say, teach you. My research and studies come from Fuchsia Pickett, Robert Morris, Ron Cottle, and Gary Chapman. Uh, most of those people have doctors in front of their names. And these, this is research that I've done to try to unpack the conversation of the Holy Spirit. And as we get into this, just know that I believe when your head is informed, you can have illumination inside of your spirit, which will help you move to a new revelation that you've never walked in before, and eventually the realization that God has called you to be the communicator that I get to be today. And so, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you as we jump into week number two of Holy Spirit 101. God, come and have your way. As I, Lord, I just ask anything that I need to uh, pause or diminish or remove from today's conversation, let that happen. That every place where you need to be exalted high, Lord, let that happen. In Jesus' name. Well, here we are, week number two of Holy Spirit 101. If you missed last week, congratulations, I can give you a very simple recap. And it's this. If you do not see the Holy Spirit as a person, then how will you ever have a personal relationship with him? So week number one, here's what we covered. The Holy Spirit is a hymn. It's a person because he has a desire to have a personal relationship. His name is not spirit. His name is God. His function is the spirit. Jesus isn't his name. God is his name. Jesus the son is his function. 
Father is not God. God is God, but he has a function to be a father in our life. Spirit, his function is to be the alive, living spirit inside of us. But at the end of the day, he is God. And so week number one's recap is this. Our God is a person. Our, pers- our God has mind, will, and emotions, which is what makes up that triune being. And those mind, his will, and those emotions are stuff that we want and he wants us to have in our life. So week number two. Here's the main point, and let's see if this makes sense at all. If not, we'll unpack it for the next couple minutes. The Holy Spirit is working towards a divine purpose, and that is to bring the presence of God to all human beings. I'm going to read it again. It's one of those kind of, yeah, you didn't come on Sunday morning expecting a $5 phrase when you're, right, only have your $2 brain kicked in. Here it is. The Holy Spirit is working towards a divine purpose, or another way to say it is, the Holy Spirit has a job. What is the job that the Holy Spirit has? That is to bring the presence of God to every human being. Not the presence of God at a specific church on a specific stage because of a specific pastor. The presence of God in your life because you are the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. What do you mean I'm the tabernacle? I mean that he abodes in you. What do I mean that he abodes on you? I can't wait for you to come back to next week where I fully unpack what that means. But you are the tabernacle of God that is moving around the earth and it's your job to have him dwelling inside of you. Now, how does this occur? Try to stick with me for the next couple minutes as we unpack this. This occurs because Christianity is both historical and experiential. Okay, here's what I mean by historical. When it comes to our faith, it is a matter of history and historical fact. If you would like to do more reading on this for yourself, here's just two books that you could get into. Number one, it's Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ. And number two, Josh and Sean Sean McDowell, The Evidence That Demands a Verdict. I would say to you, if there's anybody that you're having a conversation in your life that said the Bible is fake, Christianity is a fraud, and there's, uh, there's nothing but mistakes throughout the Bible, just so you know, and I mean this with as much love as I can say it in a passing comment, you are actually talking to a fairly uneducated person at that point. Because when it comes to the historical facts about the Bible, it is, when I say second to none on historical documents, it is second to none. So here's some men that kind of give you that information. But what we have to understand is we can't just know the historical facts of our faith. We have to come to terms with we also have an experiential aspect to our faith. Our faith is meant to have an experience with a real and a living God present and available today. It doesn't contradict our history, but it does build onto the historical journey that we're all on with God. And so our faith is a living experience. Head knowledge tells us about God, but life experience helps us know about God. There would be no difference that if you were just dating someone, let's say this, online, and you never got a FaceTime, Zoom, stream call with them, it's all data, it's all data, typing back and forth, typing back. You would get to know that person, right? But the moment you get in the same room with that individual, now you know where the relationship is or isn't going, right? Because there is a difference having a personal relationship versus just a head knowledge intellectual relationship. 
So our, our relationship with God is both historical as well as his, uh, relational. It's experiential. Now with that said, the logical conclusion is that Christianity is both relational then, but also mystical. This is the part that I really need you to pay attention. Because we don't want to go down the weird road, but it is a factual road. When I say relational, our faith is a philosophy of life that can be rationally understood and articulated. When it comes to our faith, I should be able to explain what it means. But if there's ever a point in a Christian walk where someone says, you just need to have blind faith, that's the line most cults use. So hear me now. I don't want you to have blind faith. I want you to have logical faith, even if some of the logic seems illogical. You can still understand it. And so we need to have what we're calling is a rational faith, because our faith, this is not something that you normally hear in today's society, but I proudly and boldly declare it. I believe in something known as absolute truths, right? I believe in absolute truth, and our faith actually boasts of having said truth. And I know that that isn't one of those coexist, bumper sticker, loving type statements. But the fact is, we believe that our God created everything, and in him is truth, and we can discover those absolute truths. So it is a very rational thing. But yet at the same time, when it comes to being mystical... Our faith has the spiritual characteristics and reality that is beyond the comprehension of human reasoning. So there's some things about it when it comes to our faith that you may not fully get. And ready for this example? This is just going to irritate some of you, and I don't mean to do that. Because <clears throat> we're currently talking about the Holy Spirit, which is one of three people. The Spirit, the Son, and the Father, known as the Trinity. The fact is, I can't fully wrap my brain around the Trinity because it doesn't make sense to my natural mind. We have three people that with all distinct characteristics, but these three people are one person. If you say that you fully understand that, I would love to know how you do because I can't fully understand it. Now, I can kind of grasp it because I'm made up of body, soul, and spirit, right? I have like three different parts of me that can hurt individually, but what I can't be is completely separated from this body. So I'm a triune being in one place, but we serve a triune God in multiple places. By the way, that seems a little mystical to me. And if you think that seems normal to you, great. Just so you know, you, you have a higher degree of theology than I do. But then answer me this. What do you mean Jesus walked on water? Right? What do you mean that we build a boat and it didn't flood where everything else did? And are you saying there was a flood that covered the whole earth? Wait, are you saying there was a time that Jesus needed to pay his taxes? He told someone to go fish, and when they pulled up the fish, there was a coin in the mouth, and the coin paid for their taxes? Listen, it's mystical. I don't get it. But the problem is I've experienced it. Right? So it's not just a historical or rational. It's experiential and it's mystical. And you can say you don't believe in miracles, but I don't know what to do with the fact that there was a time that I prayed for a lady, 
she screamed so loud during childbirth, the, she blew out her vocal cords. There was a, and I don't know, I'm going to call it a goiter, just a break of half of a softball on the front of her throat. And she was a worship leader, and she said, I want to sing again. Pray for me so I can get, receive healing. And my faith was the sign, I mean, you fill this, the top of this lit up with water. Like, this is everything that God has. That's what I had to offer. Like, there wasn't much to offer. But I remember praying for her, and I said, Holy Spirit, I don't know what you want to do, but I released the power of healing. While my hand was on her throat, that thing completely disappeared. And that night at the worship service, she was standing on stage, singing out, crying the whole time. Ask me how she was healed. I don't know but I know that she was healed. So you can't take that experience away from me just because it was mystical, right? But mystical has to be a part of us because we are serving a God outside of our time, living in eternity, and he's calling us to greater things. If we read the Bible, it starts in a garden and ends with a city. That means we mature over time. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit brings the reality of our faith into conscious experience and well as puts us in touch with the mystical aspects of Christianity. So that's part of his job that we want to talk about today. Now we're going to start our reading today in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. If you have your Bibles, feel free to open them up. If you have our app, you can download the notes. I will be providing the scriptures and just so you know, we are going to read a lot today. Morning, morning. So John 14, 15, and 16. In John 14, you see that Jesus is sitting with his disciples eating the final supper. Then one of the last things that he said is, come, let us go, which tells us he was leaving. And then in chapter 15, one of the next things he talks to them about is that I am the vine and you are the branch. And many theologians think by this point he was in the garden. Hence why he was using a garden reference while talking to him. And then we know by the time 16 is coming to a close, you have Jesus being hauled off to be crucified. So most theologians agree that anywhere between 12 and 15 hours before Jesus' crucifixion, he's having this conversation with his disciples. Now, I don't know how you work, but when I'm leaving the house and the kids are home, the last thing I say to them is the most important. Is there any other parents in the house that would agree with this, right? Your boss, you're about to go on a trip, and the last thing you say isn't probably like, hey, make sure the water filters change. No, it's probably like, don't forget about the contract coming in on Thursday, right? The most important thing. So what's one of the, when it comes to Jesus walking away, the most important thing is, I'm about to go away. You should not be troubled because I'm sending someone else. So let's just run through a whole lot of verses here. In John 14, 16 through 17, and this is the King James Version. I will ask the Father, and he will give you a helper, that he, notice I have that underlined, may abide with you forever. Verse 17, so even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him not, but ye know him, and he dwells where? With us, right? He dwells with you, and he shall be in you. I made sure to underline these couple words because you're going to start seeing them over the next couple verses. But here's something really important. Every time that Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, he never talks to him as an it. It's a he. 
And if Jesus refers to him as a he or a person, possibly we should stop looking at he as an it. It is weird. It is strange. It is mystical. It is a force. It is a thing. He is who he, being Jesus, is sending to us. So we need to see him as in him, or we will never have a personal relationship with a him. Week number one, all over again. John 14, 25 through 26. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance, whosoever I have said unto you. John 15, 26 goes on to say, But when the helper come, is come, whom I will send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you, it is expedient for you that I go away. Jesus is actually saying to the disciples right here in John chapter 16, it's actually a really good thing that I leave you. Right? For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. And you're going to be stuck with the Jesus that is stuck in one place in one time because I'm in a physical body. But you don't want the physical presence of Jesus with you anymore. You need the spiritual presence of Jesus with all of you. This is what Jesus is saying. It is actually expedient. It is actually good. It is actually healthy. It is actually right for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come unto you. But if I depart... What's going to happen? I'm going to send him back to you. John 16, 12 goes on to say this. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now. I'm about to answer an age-old question. Is the Holy Spirit still speaking? Let's just see what Jesus thought before he ever left. He, Jesus saying, I have too much to say and there is not enough time. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak until, uh, on his own. He will only speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. What is yet to come, I think this answers the question, does the Holy St- Spirit still speak today? Jesus is saying, yes, his primary function is to speak to us today. It's not to change the gospel, but it's to mature us in understanding of what it is. The Holy Spirit is present as Jesus was with the disciples, sitting around the fire, having a conversation at the end of the day, trying to debrief of what they experienced with their Savior. The same conversation can happen today with us sitting around the fire, and the Holy Spirit comes in and says, I have more to come. The Holy Spirit still speaks today. I think the question we need to ask is, do, are we listening? Because you remember what I said earlier, experiential. We still have to experience the things of God. And some of our experience is going to give us the intellectual, historical knowledge that we're looking for. But some of it may be mystical in its nature of, I don't know why I heard or hear what I'm hearing right now, but I really feel like I'm supposed to go talk to this individual and share it with them. What is that? That's the mystical side of our Holy Spirit, of Holy Spirit, not the Holy, Holy Spirit speaking to us today. So all these times that I have these words underlined, The word helper appears five times in the Bible. Many of you, there's a good chance you've heard the word paraclete before. It's a reference to the Holy Spirit. That's actually an English way to say that word. It's parapletos is how you would actually pronounce it. Para means to come along. Uh, Platos means to come. 
So the translation of it, when Jesus said, I am sending someone to come alongside of you. So that's what Jesus was saying. Every time he was using this word, parapletos, he was actually saying, I'm sending someone who's meant to come right alongside of you. And ways that we have translated it is helper, advocate, counselor, comforter. Jesus is saying all this to say, I'm sending these comforters, these counselors, these advisors, these uh, advocates for you. So it's funny, when I hear the word comforter, how many grew up in a house where, and let's just, maybe it was grandma, but for me that it was mom, that had the guest, blank, uh, had the guest bedroom with the comforter that was on it? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And if as kids, you better not be found on that comforter, because it was like all for show. Do you know what I'm talking about here? Here's the next one. If you don't know that one, did you have guest towels? Okay, how many had guest towels? They were the best. They were the fluffiest. They smelled the nicest. And they could only be used, what, once every couple months when someone else came. Because it was for look but not touch. And the worst thing that you could do, this comforter that we had in our house, they even named the bed bedroom. The Kincaid room. I don't even know what it means, the Kincaid room. But I know this, that the bed was huge and that comforter was fluffy. And to this day, if mom and dad don't know, I don't care how old I am, I will sneak up and get underneath that comforter because there's so much warmth. But the last thing I want mom to know is that I have touched that comforter. Because you get out, how many have ever done this? It starts with the sheets. It starts with the blanket. Everything's smooth. And then you kind of give it a a fluff. You know what I'm talking about? You give that a little bit of fluff so there's nothing. Because the last thing that we can do is touch the comforter. Because the comforter is all for show. And I believe that same mentality is in the church when it comes to our comforter. We believe that the comforter is all for show but not touch. But I'm here to tell you today this, this ain't mama's comforter. This is the comforter that we are meant to climb into bed with meant to be intimate with, meant to be warmed by. And so I want to just take the next couple minutes to talk to you about who is Holy Spirit and what is the job that he has here on the earth. And the first one I would say this is he is my comforter. And you say, well, what scripture are you pulling from? Do you want me to go back and reread? Because let's be honest, when I read too many scriptures, we all get bored. I, I know it, I'm aware of it, but all the scriptures that I just read to you, that is his name. He is the comforter. I was amazed this past week, and for those watching online at a later time, I know this is a very time-stamped reference, but this past Sunday we had our worship night following week number one of our Holy Spirit 101. And it was beautiful, and if you weren't, I, by the way, I know most of you were here. The amount of people that were out were just fantastic. I love seeing the craving that you have for those deeper places. Can we say this? Holy Spirit 201, uh, that little deeper place. It was amazing because I just said, hey, I, I, I'm going to be up here, and if you are hearing something from God, just come and let me know. And I was absolutely amazed, and this may sound mystical to you, but I was present and I experienced this, when three people from different sides of the room would come and whisper something and just say, I hear God saying this, and all three of them were saying the exact same thing. By the way, I felt very comfortable standing up in front of the church and then saying, hey, I feel like God's hanging us, taking us down this road. Why do I know that? Because many witnesses all saying the same thing. There was a comfort there. 
Here, here's a weird one that I've experienced way too many times. One of the staff members that is serving you all the time, if they ever lose anything, I don't think they look for it. The only thing I've ever seen her do is pray for it. And if there is a gift for finding lost stuff through prayer, this individual has it. And you may say, that sounds weird. I have watched other people text and call this individual and say, hey, I've lost blank. I need help. Will you go to prayer for me? I don't know if there's a finder's anointing. <laughs> if I, I promise you, I'm not lying. And I, I, I don't mind. It's, it's Heather, who's over, he, she's the director of our Connecting. I've, I, I always like to be vague, but listen, there's only so many staff members, and I've been saying her the whole time, so it's not that hard to figure out. I'm telling you, Heather has the ability. She doesn't get stressed, she doesn't get worried, she gets comforted knowing that someone is there helping her look. And by the way, I, this sounds crazy to you. I've experienced myself. Next time you lose something, here's her cell phone number. Pull your phone out. 618. I'm just kidding. That one will get me in trouble. I have been in situations in over the last couple of weeks, it seems like a lot of them, of individuals dying. I've been in situations where it's a couple's counseling or an individual crisis. That no matter what I have said out of my mouth, it doesn't logically, or if I can say this, historically make any sense. And then I just pause and I'll, I'll say something like this. Can we just stop for a me- minute and ask God to help us? And I will tell you, and the freakiest things have occurred. Like this. I pray and our comforter shows up immediately and starts comforting. There wasn't a new strategy There wasn't a new thought. There wasn't a clear answer. But the Holy Spirit shows up. And all of a sudden, things are better. Because He is present. So one of the jobs that the Holy Spirit has in our life is He is our comforter. Another one is this. He is our friend. God actually wants to be friendly to us. So let me go ahead and just say this. This will be a fun one. I've practiced this thought a couple times. It's been a train wreck every time, so here we go. I don't have weird friends, because I don't like weird friends. I have normal friends. And if you're into cosplay, good for you. If you're into Pokemon, good for you. If you're into going to Comic-Cons, getting dressed up like your favorite Marvel hero, good for you. Personally, I think that's weird. Now, hang on. I know. See, I've told you, I practice this, and it's going to train wreck every time. So let me just keep. Now, some of you may think pro wrestling is weird. I do not. Let me tell you something, brother. The cream rises. Oh, yeah. So, I personally still enjoy, by the way, the podcast that I'm encouraging you not to listen to, old wrestling podcast, that's my go-to thing. I want to know what happened at WrestleMania 3 when the mega powers collided. That's what I want to know. Which is weird. Okay? So we can all agree that our definition of weird is weird. A different. I'll go with different. A lot better way to say it. But then we've all seen that one Christian, I don't care how you label it, 
They're weird. Okay? And then they're doing stuff such as praying in tongues, gifts of knowledge, throwing oil, having drop cloth, a big old shofar, a banner. And you're like, wow, if you're weird and you profess the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit must be weird. And I'm going to throw this out. I think that person's weird with or without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Have you ever met just a weird person and they had nothing to do with God? Imagine them having God on their side. How cuckoo they could be. So here's what I'm saying. For me personally, I believe, and here's the thing, I believe that a normal person can have a normal relationship with God. And it doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't, although, keep in mind, it can be mystical. So it could feel weird when you're thinking about someone and all of a sudden God puts them on your heart and you randomly call them and you say, listen, this may be weird, but I can't stop thinking about you. Is everything okay? And they go, you couldn't have called at a better time. Has anyone ever experienced that? You could go, boy, that's weird. It's not weird. It's, a, it's not, a, I'll even go this far. It's not evidence that the Holy Spirit is live inside of you. Let's rebrand this so we get away from the weird conversation. This is a benefit of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. It's not tongues isn't evidence. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge. Let's not call it evidence of the Holy Spirit. Let's call it this, the benefits of the Holy Spirit. The benefit of the Holy Spirit being alive in your life is that the comforter can come be with you. When you don't know the information that you need to know at the moment, your, the tutorer can come and give you guidance and wisdom in the place. These are the benefits of the Holy Spirit. And if you're making it weird, stop it. Because at some point when we're praying and I go, man, it's just weird. My knee hasn't been hurting all day, but for right now there's a major pain in it. By the way, if there's anyone in here... Maybe the Holy Spirit's identifying something on me so he can identify something in you. And by the way, you want to talk about comfort. Your belief that you can receive that miracle has just gone through the roof because God said it to you. And so, by the way, when we say, let, let's rebrand it rather than the, the evidence of the Holy Spirit, the benefits of the Holy Spirit, I know the number one thing, and, and by the way, we're going to unpack this a lot in week number five. I know the number one thing that people say the evidence of the Holy Spirit is the speaking in tongues. And I can't wait to unpack that with you. It is not weird. It's not mystical. Different languages have different tongues. And guess what? We have a heavenly language. Doesn't seem that difficult, but the tongue gets in the way. We'll talk about that week number five. But by the way, I don't believe the evidence of tongues is the primary evidence that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe the primary evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is this, that you are a witness. We have a podcast going to be coming out with Pastor David Freck that we're going to be sharing with you. He, he and I go on a deeper level of conversation with this. But everywhere in the book of Acts, when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit showing up, the number one thing that people did was witness to what Jesus has done. And in today's culture... Only five out of every 100 Christians have invited someone to church over the last year. So look around right now. Do you only, if you're sitting within 100 people of you, are you one of five or are you one of 95? And if you're one of 95, I'm going to ask this. Is the Holy Spirit active in your life? 
Because if he is, how can you not help but tell her the good news? And by the way, you do it because you love. Why do I say the word love there? We all read 1 Corinthians 13 when we do a wedding. Love is patient. Love is kind. But do you know chapter 12 and 14, the chapters that come before and after that, are all about the gifts of the Spirit. And he says, and the Scriptures tell us this, that if you don't have love, you have nothing. What do I mean by nothing? You have no gifts of the Spirit. Love is the linchpin that the Holy Spirit gives to you. And here's why. For me in my life, I would rather not love anybody except for myself. Am I the only self-centered, soul-driven, fallen-natured man, man in this room? The greatest thing that I can do is love me, take care of me, and care about me. But something weird happens. I'm in environments that I'm not used to, and I see someone downtrodden, and I can't help but look at him and go, you doing okay, pal? Why did I ask that? Because <laughs> I could ask them, and they could go, no, not really. I need someone to talk to. <sighs> I think that's me now. Now I have to care for an extended period of time. I'm going to go use the go-to phrase I've been saying with my wife lately. It hasn't worked well, but I go faster. When she's telling stories, I do. I just say faster now. Man, it doesn't work. It doesn't. But the lesson I'm trying to live at home is the same one I'm going to live on the street that when someone actually has something they need to say to somebody. You can say, I want to talk to you. I wanted you to talk to the invisible God you cannot see. Or I can say, you can talk to the God living in me. I have to love. Some of you stopped listening to me because I said the phrase faster. I do clap twice. It doesn't help either. She has turned it on me, and it does work well that way. Yes, ma'am, I'll throw faster with my story. We have the benefits of the fruit of the Spirit. We have the benefit of the gifts of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit, we're not actually unpacking during this conversation. But the gifts of the Spirit, two weeks from now, we're going to unpack those and see the power gifts, see the discernment gifts, see how they're broken out. <clears throat> Final step. Holy Spirit in our life, He is our advocate. Let's read a couple scriptures here. John 16, 8. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Wow, that is a really downer sentence, right? I mean, if you just read, the Holy Spirit's coming to the world to convict them of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And if you look at just those three things, you're like, wow, is this really the God I want to follow? But what if we just kept reading beyond 16, verse 8, and see if it doesn't unpack it a little bit more for us? And so John chapter 16, verse 9 goes on to say this. The Holy Spirit, about sin, because people do not believe in me. What a gift the Holy Spirit comes to reveal to us that we're sinners, and you go, why is that a gift? If you didn't understand that you were a sinner, why would you ever understand the need for a Savior? The Holy Spirit is coming to convict us of our sins. Convict us. If you're sitting here today, and by the way, I know I've already kind of gone down roads you normally don't hear on a Sunday morning, but let me go ahead and go down the road. I believe that you are a sinner. I believe that I am a sinner. I believe that I was born into sin the moment I took my first breath because I come from a seed line of Adam. If you don't know who Adam and Eve are, go all the way back to the beginning of our book. They're the one that ate the fruit and fell and sinned. But... 
I've had the ability to be born again. And no, this doesn't mean going into my mother's womb a second time, but I get go into a watery womb when I was water baptized. And I recognized that my Savior died and was for three days in the tomb. And, I, and when I was water baptized, I went into a watery tomb to come back up again, to be born again into a new family. And I never would have had the revelation that I was a sinner. I made actions. I said words. I did uh, 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 beliefs that separated me from God. But the Holy Spirit came in and pulled me into an understanding that I had sin in my life. It's been, I've had the opportunity to baptize my two oldest boys now. And just so you know, every time we do a water baptism here, all four of my kids want to get in. Right? At the end of the day, it's a hot tub. It's water. They want to play. But my young, my middle boy came, or my third boy came to me after our worship experience this past week. And he said, hey, I, I, want, I want to get baptized. So the tank's not out. This is a conversation he started. And I said to him, why are, why are you wanting to get baptized? And he said, because I want to get closer to Jesus. And that is an absolutely, yeah, it's an absolutely beautiful thing. But my wife and I were wrestling because the older two boys, when they told us why they were ready to be baptized, they said something just a little different. They told me about the conviction that the Spirit has given to them about the sins in their life. And by the way, it's language mom and I didn't give them. So now you have Silas. It's, is he ready to be baptized because he wants to get closer? Or does he need to get baptized because he's had the conviction of sin? I don't know. And by the way, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer, but I know this, that the Holy Spirit was saying something to him that I never could. And what a gift. And by the way, if you go on to 1 Corinthians 12, uh, uh, 3, it actually says this, that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you this. Does the Holy Spirit coming, convicting us of our sin, does that sound like a negative or a positive? I personally think positive, right? And then John 16.10 goes on in about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. Right? He goes to the Father. We can't see him any longer. What does the Scripture tells us? He goes to the Father to sit at the right-hand side of the Father in order to do what? He is actually making intercession for us. When it says that Jesus is going to make intercession for us, intercession, imagine a gap. And there's an intercessor in between, and they are interceding, or they're trying to pull the two parts together. Jesus is in on the right hand of God the Father Almighty, making intercession, because you as a sinner cannot re- have a relationship with the Holy Father, but because of Jesus, we will have righteousness. Or, another way to say the word righteousness, we will be in right standing with God. So because Jesus left, we're convicted of our sin. Jesus is there not to convict us of our sin, but to convince us that we're in right standing with our Father. And by the way, so many times as a pastor, he's like, what do you do for a living? Truth be told, one of the things I primarily do is I'm a studier of people. When you walk in, I can see how you look, how you're carrying yourself, where your face is at. I can see if you're having a good day or bad day. I just study people, and the same thing's true with my kids. And by the way, parents, you know this to be true. Where your kid comes in and has a normal routine, but they came in this time and it was a little different. They were a little more distant, right? Because they got in trouble at school and they're trying to figure out how to say it to you. 
right? All of a sudden, maybe they watched something they shouldn't have. They were part of a conversation. They played a game that was outside of their bounds. And all of a sudden, you can tell they're living a little different. The reason why you know that is because there's something inside of humanity that when we sin, we think we need to run away from our Savior versus to our Savior. And Jesus, in his sitting in intercession for us, he's trying to convince us that we are still in right standings with our Heavenly Father. And rather than pulling away from that relationship, we need to lean into it. So when it says that Jesus come to convict the world of righteousness, does that sound like a positive or negative? To me, it sounds like a, a positive. John 16, 11, and about judgment. Oh, yeah. Here he is, the Holy Spirit. This is the God we know, the heavy-handed, right, the judge, coming in to drop the hammer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Wait a second, this isn't about you, this is about someone else. Keep in mind, during this time, and I'm going to use this word, ready? The prince of the age, Satan, Lucifer, whatever term you want to give him, he actually had ruling and legal authority to be running the earth in this time. And Jesus knew the moment he died on that cross, he was taking back the land rights from the enemy. And the enemy would not have the power that he had during that age. And so when it says that he's now standing in judgment, he's saying this to us. And John 12, 31 actually goes on to say this. Now is the time for the judgment of this world. The prince of this world will be driven out. And so when we read these things, Jesus is saying, Satan's about to be dethroned. I'm about to take away his authority. All dominion is coming back to me. So I'm not coming. The Holy Spirit has been portrayed like this. That the Holy Spirit is to come to tell you that you're a sinner, that you're not living right, and that he's going to get you. But when I read this scripture, here's what I read. That he is coming to tell you that you need a Savior. And that once you have accepted that, he is convinced you, he's going to convince you that you are standing right with God. And that, by the way, now that you're in this place, Satan has been stripped and has no authority over you. When I look at the job of the Holy Spirit, it isn't just to come and convict you and that you're a bad person. He's coming to set you free. Because let me ask you this, right now in your life, when it comes to Satan, when it comes to the demonic, when it comes to strongholds in your, in your life, who gives it more power, you or God? Because according to God, it's been stripped away. And if you're not standing in that freedom, that's because you don't understand the forgiveness that you've been, been forgiven of. And if you truly forget, believe, the understand the forgiveness of sin that you've been freed from, then you can't help but standing close to God, your Father, who's freed you from that. And every time the enemy tries to come and pull you back into the darkness that you came out of, you are have to, you need to tell the world through your witness that you are free and free indeed. So, week number one, we to, I told you that he is a person. Week number two, I've tried to cover the job that he has. But it leads us to the next logical uh, question, and that is simply this. Is he actually available today? Which is a great question, and I look forward to covering that next week with you. But for right now, I want to pause. I want to say thank you for the grace to allow me to just be the teacher. I... My goal is to give us all some head knowledge so you know the scriptural basis in which we're moving out of. Because if I didn't tell you about the historical, 
proof that the Holy Spirit is here today and wants to be evident in our life, anytime the mystical would try to show up, we're going to be rejecting to that. But I promise you this, in the world we live in today, we need the presence of God a whole lot more than we need the pomp and circumstance, of the pomp and praises. We don't need the show, we need the presence. There is a generation that has tried to be void. It was a modern generation that has become a postmodern generation, thinking that we can find life through science. But I'll tell you now, we need to find life through a risen Savior. And we cannot and should not be afraid of the helper, the comforter, the advocate that is here to work with us. So this next week, very simple altar call for today, very simple This next week, would you be open to allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you? One way to do that is to deaden the dial, turn down the noise, turn on the worship, turn on the podcast, turn on whatever that might be, to create new avenues for Him to speak to you. And if you have questions about any of this, there's only one thing I can do. I'm going to invite you to our NAV groups. And have those honest and real conversations. This last week, there were amazing reports that we got back from every NAV group of just the healthy and honest conversations. But for right now, God, we just thank you for your time. Or God, let me say this. The time that we spend here with you, Holy Spirit, I pray that it has grown us. It's brought us life. It's given us head knowledge and information. But above everything, God, I ask for an illumination of our spirits right now to understand the active and living presence of you in our life. As we finish our time here together today, God, and we go out, I do not want us to become distant or complacent in our walk with you, but help us, Holy Spirit, become radically devoted to you all week long as we journey from this place. And if there is an individual, if there is a child a mom or a dad, a couple, a family that needs your love this week. We make ourselves available to allow the living spirit to come through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For those in our online campus, we appreciate you being with us today. I'm going to go ahead and let you go. If you have any questions or want to connect with us, make sure to drop a chat. That way we, our moderators can be there to serve you.